Welcome to the Hypothalamic Amenorrhea Podcast. I'm Danny Sheriff, your host, certified fertility awareness practitioner, functional nutrition counselor, and founder of the HA Society, and of course, an HA recovery coach who has walked where you currently are walking. This is the place to come if you care about getting your period regularly. This podcast aims to educate, inform, and keep you motivated on your period and HA recovery track. So let's dive in. But last thing, nothing on the show should be taken as medical advice. So please seek the advice of your physician. Hey, are you trying to recover and maybe even fall pregnant naturally? I thought that might be you. And if so, we have created our best ever yet resource for you. Totally free. This is a masterclass. I've called it my masterclass because I have put everything into this, right? This masterclass is designed for you if you have HA or have had HA and are dealing with suboptimal cycles and you're serious about restoring those babies to full optimization and You want to create the ideal foundation for a pregnancy. This is going to be for you. So in this masterclass, I'm going to provide you a lot of things, including a lot of case studies, mine, Ashley's and Mishi's, as well as lots of our past clients and what their challenges were and what they had to do to overcome it. And we cover a really wide variety of types of cases of HA. So everything from primary amenorrhea and missing periods for years and years to short-term amenorrhea and what we did to handle that situation as well and how long it took these people to go from HA to pregnant with this system and how long it took them to go from HA to ovulating, of course, with this system. So lots of information, lots of case studies, lots of stats. We go through why this is not a weight gain plan and how we actually divide you into phases, the three phases of HA and determine what your starting point is so that you have a good idea of where you need to start with your actual changes and lifestyle and nutrition changes. We even cover questions like HA and people with a normal BMI and recovery for people who have had HA for too long. There's so much In this 60-minute masterclass, y'all, I'm impressed. And at the end, I'll also be running you through how to get a free HTMA, hair tissue mineral analysis through us, which is a part of our process for recovery and preconception clients that we're happily going to give you for free 99 as a massive thank you, of course, for joining the masterclass. So go to thehasociety.com forward slash masterclass or head to our website and you'll find a link for it and find when the next available presentation is going to be. That's thehasociety.com forward slash masterclass. We're podcasting today. Yay. I'm just making sure you know that we're podcasting today. Yes. 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 Okay, good. Yeah. So I, um, yeah, I thought that as a mom, like everyone talks about, oh my gosh, you just like it suddenly it feels like your heart is on the outside of your body. And like maybe you experienced some of those things, did you? I did, but like you had said, like it wasn't like a seismic change from what I had expected. Like I'm still so much the same person as I was before being a mom. Yeah. So it's weird. Yeah. Well, I couldn't tell like I was like, oh, is it part, is it because I didn't have like a normal, like natural birth experience? You know, is it because yeah. my husband wasn't there and I had had to be medicated and she was taken from me kind of abruptly? Like, was it or did all of those things like mess with the chemical reaction and we like missed the bonding moment? Because people said that this was supposed to be magical. And yeah. all it does is feel like. I pushed something huge out of my <laughs> vagina and now it's yeah and now it's like getting in the way of my life <laughs> yeah oh my god I remember like the early days too where you just literally don't sleep because the baby's up at all hours and you're like I don't know if I can survive like this is rough 
Uh-huh. Yeah. No, yeah. No, but but it's actually months. like, yeah, it's only like six months, but it's a really long six months. Exactly. You're like, I feel <laughs> so inhuman. And then I'm like, why would I do this to myself again? <laughs> I know. I don't know what you guys did, but we, um, my husband and I switched off nights. Cause like, even though I was breastfeeding and pumping, so she was, yeah. um, for, she, we supplemented with some formula because I was naughty and I like, I love my sleep so much that I wouldn't do a midnight pump or feed. Right. So we yeah, would switch yeah. off nights. So there would be a night where he would take her and just use like milk in the fridge. And if it's not my night, I'm not getting up. Like I'm not getting, and it was the best feeling ever going to bed, being like, oh, it's not my night. I get to sleep through the night and he has to get up. Um, but yeah, it meant that I didn't pump at night pretty much. Like, so only every second night because yeah. I would feed her on my night. <laughs> and we did it differently. I think Trevor just used that as a scapegoat that I was breastfeeding, that he would never have to be up in the wee hours of the morning. I think that's more common. Night. Yeah, it was awful. And too, like, I, like, always did the pump because if I didn't, I felt so uncomfortable in the morning, like, so engorged where I'm like, I just can't, I can't not do it. I I think, I think that my choice to not do it was, um, it cost me in some milk production. Like, it eventually learned to slow down. But your body probably adapted, too. My body adapted. feeling so uncomfortable. So I would still be super full in the morning, but I could handle, it was like, whatever. I could handle it and I'd just get up and it was the first thing I would do. I definitely envision like the second baby being totally different. Like I'm not going (laughs) to breastfeed for as long as I did. Like I went 13 months exclusively breastfeeding. And I feel like that was, that was too long. Like now, obviously I'm going to be in a totally different work environment too. I'm not going to be working from home. So Mm -hmm. to try to schedule in the pumps, like while I'm at the clinic is going to be a lot more difficult. Yeah. I like to, even I was working from home and I still would be like, wow, I forgot yeah. to pop. Like it That's just comes up. Too. You feel like you just finished and now you have to do it again. Yeah. Stop. It's like, you're constantly watching the clock and then you get panicky. Like if you're not exactly on your timeline. I said, when I stopped, when I weaned off, it felt like it still feels like, like freedom. Yeah. Freedom. Totally. Like breastfeeding is like, just like a ball and chain. Yeah. And it kind of looks like it too with the pump. (laughs) And then everyone knows like when you're, when you're on your calls and you're pumping, you can hear like that, like the machine. I know. Cause I would, cause I do like these coaching calls and stuff. And I just like, wouldn't put pump breaks into my calendar. I just like, didn't look after myself in that way. And so I would just, oh, well, look, so as people listening can determine <laughs> we already know how the person I'm talking to story turns out in the very end but everybody I would love to welcome to the show Amanda hello hi guys <laughs> a little pre-episode rambling do you mind not at all no. okay a little pre-episode <laughs> rambling I like doing I feel that like all I, I do is ramble welcome to the best show ever to just ramble on um definitely (laughs) yeah I I think so I think so so yeah so welcome Amanda to sharing your story would you give everyone your stats (laughs) um you know who who you are what what brings you to being a guest on this show I will definitely give you the details I'll try to give you the full story but without going going too deep into the weeds here because I know I could talk forever but I guess basic stats um I live in Wisconsin. Um, I've pretty much lived here my entire life. I was born in Phoenix, Arizona, but that was due to my, my dad was in the Air Force when he was younger. So we kind of moved around a bit, but we settled here when I was three. I grew up in entirety, currently 33, expecting my second baby. (laughs) Just found out a couple of weeks ago. So I'm very early on only six weeks in a few days, I think four days or something like that. So very excited about that. Definitely would have been possible if I wouldn't have gone about the process of recovery. Um, my first one, we actually 
we were able to get pregnant, but we had to go through infertility. And I think if I would have discovered that I had HA sooner, I don't think I would have had that as my journey. But I mean, that's in the past. No, no changing that. But um, our our first little one, she's almost two. She'll be two in February. She is a ball of energy <laughs> into everything, is a complete adventurer, climbs everything. So she keeps us on our toes. Um, but yeah, I guess, um, should I start with like the very beginning of like how I kind of evolved into the process of AHA here? Yeah, yeah. Give people an idea of like, even early on just helps kind of paint the picture of like your personality definitely get you in this position I would say like even from an early age like early grade school like I was always very fixated on other people's comments I think like I remember an instance in middle school where there was a boy that said you have really hairy legs and I remember like just personalizing that like and people are mean like especially kids I went home and I like hid in her bathroom and shaved my legs and my mom came in and she found out and she was so upset because that was something like she wanted to introduce to me like as like coming to womanhood or something like that but it was just in the moment I felt so affected by what that little boy said to me that I had to like do something and I think like that mentality kind of um I guess followed me for the rest of my life because anything that anyone would say or not say or you know I just would infer that they were meaning I would take that personally and I would take action so I guess you know that being said I always wanted to fit in and feel a sense of belonging so early on like middle school high school I was involved in like every single sport known to man and it wasn't because I liked sports it was because I wanted to be with my friends and I wanted to feel like I was part of the group so I did basketball, volleyball, cross country, track and field, you name it, I tried it. And I think as I like progressed on into my older, you know, school years, like particularly high school, I was like, this just isn't for me. I want to do something else. My mom had kind of focused on weight loss at that point because she got to the point where she was at the heaviest weight she'd ever been. So she joined Weight Watchers. That was a huge craze back in the 90s. And early 2000s. And then she also joined Curves, which was a fitness center specifically for women, which she liked the idea of that because it was all women. She felt if she went to any other gym, she would be judged, you know, and she would feel put upon like by men in the gym, like intimidating her. So when she did that, I actually thought, you know, I want to join with you. So I went to Curves with her on a regular basis. We'd go like I don't know, three times a week or something like that. And we'd work out and it was fun because it was just mom and me time. Well, then as I grew older, went off to college, I think my habits started to become more intense. I started to very much watch what, what I was eating. Like I was doing that kind of like in the later years of high school, but like really started doing it in college where I was you know, monitoring everything, measuring all my food, calculating it in my fitness pal, keeping track of things, was kind of obsessive about getting exercise in when I wasn't in class. I mean, honestly, like I look back and I remember college as like the best years of my life, but I did it all wrong because I was so focused on the wrong things. If I could just go back in time and like redo it, I definitely would. I mean, I was always somebody that was an overachiever. So very fixated on my grades at that point too. I remember one point in college where I cried, I called my mom crying, just like absolutely bawling because I got a C on a test and like C is average, but I was an average, like I was above average. So that wasn't good. It's so funny. Like if I got a C, I'd be like, like I wouldn't be psyched, but I'm just happy to pass. Yeah. And that for me, it was like literally the like world was turned over like what am I going to do like I'm going to fail I'm going to be kicked out of college like I took it to the extreme because that's what I did always so I mean if I wasn't studying I was focused on you know what I was eating and how much exercise I was getting in and you know I graduated came back home because I actually went to school in Arizona because I always had that curiosity with my first date like I went on a little little adventure for the five years I was away at college because I actually did my master's studies too. But then I came back to Wisconsin. 
started my full-time career. And that's when things, again, just got worse. It was like high school, they started college, things got worse. And then as I graduated college, came back and started my professional career, things got to the most extreme. And I just wasn't like a person that was fun to be around. I would just, you know, avoid any sort of um, gatherings that we had at work, you know, if it was like a happy hour or a luncheon, because I didn't want to have to like explain to people, you know, like, oh, I don't eat that or, oh, I don't like that is what I would say. Even though I like, I wouldn't know whether I liked it or not. I just refused to eat it because it was deemed unhealthy. So like, it was just easier yeah. for me to not go to those events, to not have to explain all of that. Yeah. 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 So, I, I had the exact same thing of like uh, the I had the exact same situation, but my reaction was like, I would actually get so excited about it. Um, and I would like so excited about these events because I worked at this bank that had the most amazing catering team and they would do this like monthly morning tea oh, yeah. that had all this amazing stuff. And then, and I would go really excited about it. Like my brain wanted it. And then I would um, stand there like paralyzed, unable to eat any of it. It was totally so weird. So you just brought that memory back to me. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And I would say like okay, similarly, like I had so many rules about like what I could eat, what I couldn't eat, what I had to do to, to earn my food. Like I remember like I wouldn't eat anything like that was like sweet or a dessert until after dinner. Like that was my rule. Like you have to make it the entire day and then whatever you're allowed yourself whatever you had allowed yourself, like it had to be like a restricted portion of whatever it was, because that was just the way like I operated. Like I couldn't, I guess, buck the system. You know, if I tried like to have like a piece of cake at somebody's retirement, like I couldn't do it. I would like take the cake and I'd like push it around with my fork and then just end up tossing it. So I'm like, you know, it's outside of my rules, which is yeah. stupid. <laughs> so. Yeah, I guess, you know, my family was concerned. They had like talked, you know, to me many times over like, you're getting so thin, like, you know, are you sure you're okay? And I would just brush it off. Like, yeah, I'm like the healthiest I've ever been. Like I work out every day and I eat the healthiest diet. Like, how could I not be healthy? Y'all don't know what you're talking about. Exactly. (laughs) Like, and that was just it. Like I prioritized exercise over spending time with family, even like, they feel like Thanksgiving, I would like come late to our holiday gathering because I had to fit in my workout before I could go over there and like enjoy time with family and eat the foods I wanted to eat. Now, like if I have time during the day and I want to work out, great. But it's not the same like sort of workout I used to do anyways either. So that too has changed in entirety. Like before I'd have to completely and totally exhaust myself. Like to the point where I was like literally dripping in sweat to call it like a workout. Now, if I just like move my body, you know, lightly, I'm like done. I this did is my great. movement. This is uh, perfect. Exactly what I the, wanted. The dream situation. Okay. But so how do you, how do you start like listening to what everyone's saying? <laughs> and like what happens? It's a good question. So like I had said it like earlier on in the podcast to get pregnant with our first, we actually had to go through infertility. Mm. And that was a really big challenge for me because even prior to that, like I started to question like, why don't I have a period? Because I had been on birth control since like, I guess, you know, before I went to college. Cause I think my mom was very, I think paranoid about like, you know, of course, like teen pregnancy and like something happening, like where I wasn't ready for a baby at that point. So she made sure to like get both my sister and I like on a regimen and we just followed it without question, you know, it's like what everyone else did. So I was on birth control up until it was September of 2016, because I was married in June of 2016. Then in September of 2016, I ended up getting a DVT which is a very rare complication of being on birth control. They say it happens to like, I think like 1% or less of people. Mm -hmm. And like when that happens, they run like an extensive extensive amount of blood work because they want to make sure you don't have any blood disorders like, you know, genetically 
whether that was like the cause of it or whether they can attribute it to the birth control itself. Thankfully, everything came back clean, like for my blood work. I didn't have any genetic, um, you know, conditions that would have caused that. So they promptly probably took me off of birth control and I wasn't getting a period. I'm like, this is strange. Like, I don't know what's happening. I guess I'm like a medical anomaly because I had gone to see mm. my OBGYN and they're like, oh, you know, sometimes it just takes a few months to come back. Well, it had been over a year. And at that point, like my OBGYN had referred me out to reproductive medicine, not because we were looking to get pregnant at that point, but to try to figure out like what was going on with my body. And I had the most jarring experience. Um, when I went in, the provider told me you're in early stage menopause and that's the reason you're not having periods. And unless you want to get pregnant, I can't do anything to help you. And I'm like, that can't even possibly be true. You know, like I didn't believe it. So I went to find another reproductive endocrinologist to kind of get a second opinion. Cause I'm like, this is just, I literally left that appointment crying. Like, cause at that point I, I literally felt like I had no hope. So I went to see this other um, specialist and they had said, you know, you just have unidentifiable infertility. Right. And they said, you know, we're going to put you on hormone replacement therapy until you're ready to get pregnant because that will at least, you know, start to get your hormones more, norm more normalized. So I did the estrogen patches, did the progesterone tablets. I mean... I didn't really have any like negative side effects. Like I know Ashley talks about like when she was on it, like she was unbearable. I think for me, like, mm -hmm. I guess I felt fine, but I mean, everyone experiences it differently. Mm -hmm. So then, you know, enter, I think it was like a couple, it's probably a year, a year and a half, two years later, we're like, okay, we really want to start trying for our first little one. So they started me on a Clomid Letrozole combo because that's what they found like works best with like their patient population. Mm -hmm. And it took forever to get pregnant. Like we'd go through countless cycles where we'd go in, have the ultrasounds done where they monitor like the follicle development to see if there's one that's like the dominant follicle. And like, sometimes there'd be like too many, sometimes there'd be like no progress. So they kept tweaking the medication and eventually we had this one follicle that was like perfectly progressing. So they had me do a trigger shot and I ovulated and got pregnant with that cycle. And that's how Ellie happened. <laughs> but then, you know, I breastfed Ellie and we were getting to the point where we started to think like, we really kind of want more than just one kid. We've always wanted more than one I kid. I don't know how you're doing that. <laughs> I think uh, in my head, I always wanted three or four kids. I think my husband's more on the the same topic of three, but I guess we'll see. Like with two, we'll see how things go and whether I'm still in the same mindset or not. <laughs> but like at that point, like I had kind of like taken on my old habits again because I didn't really think anything of it. You know, I started mm -hmm. exercising rigorously, trying to get the baby weight off started incredibly restricting my diet, counting my calories again. And I started to think like, is it me? Like, is what I'm doing what's causing the like defect in my body is what I considered it. Mm -hmm. Because what an inch do you remember where that inkling came from? Like, yeah. I think, you know, like when I first went to see this secondary reproductive endocrinologist, they had mentioned um, hypothalamic amenorrhea once and said like, this is a possible reason why you're not having a period, but then just kind of like glazed over it. Like didn't really go into detail, didn't really do, do any further testing. Like the testing they did was like, more so like checking the patency of the fallopian tubes, like doing other like mm -hmm. blood testing to check for genetic markers, this and the other thing. They had at one point told me I had polycystic ovarian syndrome, PCOS. But I think that it was just literally a consequence of HA because it looked like I had a lot of small follicles because I wasn't ovulating. So you know, your story to take a sidebar momentarily, because Ashley and I were just talking about this this morning. Mm -hmm. We, because we're working on this, this practitioner course, right? Yeah. And we're, 
all there's all things that we need to consider or that we want to cover. And so we're constantly chatting. Um, like we actually are somehow going to bring in like, uh, how do I word this? We get asked a lot by people, hey, what do I say or how do I present to my family that I'm listening to this like HA coach and not my OBGYN or reproductive endocrinologist? And it's like, this is why. It's not like everyone is well-meaning, but it's just not, they just don't know about it. Like it's right. just not, it's almost as if it's just not in their scope of practice. Exactly. Or it's exactly. just like they certainly don't seem to learn about it at school. And we do have all of the research, right? Like our conversation mm-hmm. about this was around like fat intake um, and like fat is good, right? But there's still Definitely. some doctors saying fat is bad. Uh, and just like, it's just like, we don't know. We just don't know why they don't know about it. Like we can't speak to that, but like, I promise you that this is real. And like, look how many doctors and, you know, un- undiagnosed infertility and maybe it's PCOS and you're just, just like, oh my gosh, like back to basics. We don't, like they just don't, like, that's not what they think back to basics is. And it's just really hard. Anyway, I digress. No, I definitely feel that. (laughs) Yeah. Like, and I think like the doctors know what they know well, but they don't know everything. Like you think of just a specialist, like say somebody that specializes in like hematology, oncology, they know cancer really, really well, but they're not going to know how to like perform like an orthopedic surgery. Like that's what an orthopedic surgeon's for. And I think similarly, like reproductive endocrinologists know how to get you pregnant but they don't really know, or they maybe don't remember, like maybe it was in their curriculum at one point where they learned about AHA, but that like gets pushed to the sidelines because they are focused on like their primary function, which is to get people pregnant. Totally. And then they overlook it. Hey, do you know what your blind spots are? As in, Do you know what it is, what the thing is that is holding you back from getting your period back? Look, it could be an absolute plethora, cornucopia of things. But in our practice, what we tend, the first place we tend to go is what behaviors and habits do you have around food that you may be still doing? And these are called blind spots because we just don't necessarily always know that they're an unhelpful habit or that it's something that we're doing, whether it be a subconscious or conscious need to control our food or our body, or whether it be something that you've just done for so long that it feels normal and like a preference even. We have created a checklist. It's a three-page checklist that goes through food types, behaviors around food, and mindsets around food. And what you do is you go through the lists and you check off and you see which ones are you doing, whether it be daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly, and how are they potentially affecting your recovery today? So it's a really simple checklist. It's just three pages. You go through it. There's a very simple scoring system to help you figure out um, how much this may be impacting your recovery. And it's just an insightful thing for you to do to help you reflect and then you can journal about it or you can learn more about it and just start really working at any of the boxes that you checked and understanding that they're playing a role in your recovery so to get the checklist all you have to do is go to the hasociety.com forward slash blind spot and we'll send it straight through to you you can print it off And you can check on it every now and then. I always recommend a reflection point every like four to six weeks. How are you going? Are you still checking that behavior off or have you, you know, systematically kicked it to the curb? So check it out. It's the hasociety.com forward slash blind spot. And it will be waiting for you there. Like, because even, you know, us, like Ashley and I, also, you know, it's the opposite version, right? Where it's like, we can get to a point where we're like, well, oh gosh, I don't know. I have one client, shout out to Danny, if you're listening, um, <laughs> where it was, it was the opposite where like, she didn't have a cycle and she, and she did have to get it back. So she did have HA, but when it came to 
um, then we had to spend a fair bit of time getting her luteal phase somewhere where it, it should have been. And, um, and she actually did get pregnant. Okay. Right. Like she was pregnant in, in IVF and that ended in an early miscarriage, like a very early. Um, and then she got pregnant again when we were working together. And, um, unfortunately she miscarried really early we did get to a point where it was like I, I can now no longer this is now out of my scope right like yeah. I can get you to this point where you're cycling everything looks good but at this point now you're not conceiving and if you do it's not sticking so now we need to dig deeper and she does have I'm going to bring her on the show eventually because it's like because it counts as a real you know um but you know, at this point, it's like you actually have undiagnosed infertility because she's had the um, the biopsies of the tissue and all those things, and everything's coming back negative. She's had the um, the small the procedures where they check for uh, septums, and oh, I can't remember is it septum or is it a deviation? It's a deviation, deviated uterus, deviated septum. That- no, that's the nose thing. That's what I was going to say. I didn't yeah, think where, that was... your, where your uterus is deviated. Oh, uh, I don't know. Right. Which, you know, she she's checked everything. Yeah. And, and we don't know why. Clear. Everything is normal, normal, normal. Like how frustrating, right? But like the, that the reality is that there is actually a smaller population who truly get that, that label. Right. Yeah, and there's a definitely. whole bunch of us out there. But I think the whole point of me saying this was like, we know our scopes and we all go to the doctor first, but there are steps actually in between. Mm-hmm. And that's why I actually think health coaches and things like that are really great because totally. that that's what you we should all try those lifestyle and holistic interventions before we go to the doctor. Because the doctor's just like, well, I'm trained to help people you know, in, in this way. So yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. Like, like, see, <laughs> I definitely think it is a total detriment to like the patient population because you, you know, have kind of been told like what your doctor says is the Holy grail. Like they know all, you know, but when they don't know all, like, what do you do? Like, you have to go figure things out for yourself. If you're like motivated to do so, a lot of people don't, they're just really passive about their their health, you know, mission. And that's really Mm -hmm. sad. And I do think like a lot of like providers too are very prescriptive. Like they want to just prescribe something to make things better. And that's that's also what they think you want. Yeah, exactly. Because they think, they think, oh, she'll be upset if she leaves with me saying, oh, just wait, maybe just eat a little better. You know, like actually, if you don't, if you don't have this, this context, it actually would be so upsetting to go into a fertility doctor, tell them your struggle and them to say, you know, maybe you should just try relaxing and eating a little more. You know, of course they're, they're coming from the perspective that you want a solution and that's what I give you. That's my job. So like when we have that perspective, we can actually have like a lot of compassion for where the these doctors are coming from and where this situation came from it's just like in hindsight you're like oh (laughs) yeah like I would say even like with our first round of infertility like I had mentioned like do you think that's what I'm doing like do you think I'm working out too much I work out seven days a week and this is like how many calories I'm eating Mm. do you think I should maybe increase that a bit they're like well you can try like and see if that works but you know we're still gonna like proceed with our plan and I was like oh (laughs) At that time, I was like, okay. Well, then, yeah. so, you know, we had Allie. We were thinking about having a second. We went back to infertility. And my doctor mm. was like, you know, we're going to get you pregnant sooner this time. Like, you know, we know the the magic formula of medications to get you pregnant. Well, then we started running into, like, roadblock after roadblock. Like, first it was they, like, they wanted to do the test to check the patency of the fallopian tubes again, you know, because, like, when you have when you've given birth, like things can get kind of like pushed around shifted. There can be like kinks, you know, things can get hinged. So I'm like, okay, it makes sense. You know, Um, we had an uncomplicated delivery, but you know, sure. I'll see it through just to appease you guys. 
Well, then they couldn't get me scheduled because one, I didn't have a cycle day one, like, and they have to do it on a certain cycle day. I can't remember what it is, like mm. four or five, something like that. Um, so they couldn't determine like when to start it. And when I took the Provera challenge, like nothing happened, obviously, because I have HA. <laughs> At that time, I didn't know. Well, so then like that was a problem. Then they had provider shortages. Then they had a shortage of the like contrast time that they need to actually perform the test. So it was like, I was never going to be scheduled. Like it was like completely unschedulable in perpetuity. So I'm like frustrated about that. Hmm. So in the meantime, they're like, okay, well, we'll just pass in that test. Like this is becoming way too difficult, but we want to like get you like started with, you know, cycle day one. So we're going to have you do the Provera challenge. And then when nothing happens, like we're going to just wait until like cycle day 60, I think it is. It was just like the perpetual waiting game. So in that time frame, I started to question like, what if I'm doing it all wrong again? You know, like what if I dial back my exercise? What if I start eating more? Like, does that, would that make a change? So I started Googling like, you know, reasons for not having a period. I found the, like, I found your, you know, page. I found the book about no period now what everyone was reading. I ordered a copy of it, read it. I'm like, this is a hundred percent what I'm going through. Like, this is me. So that's when I joined the society. Cause I'm like, I need people. Like, I need support. Did you find us on Google? Yeah. Oh my God. I am so good at <laughs> SEO. It's the best. Totally. <laughs> and I started listening to every single podcast because I'm like, the first one, I can't even remember which one it was that I listened to, but like I connected with it immediately. Like I literally started crying when I like listened to the first one. I'm not an emotional person. I don't cry often. I, I I've heard that feedback before. Like people just listen to a story and it's just like, uh, uh, and I heard an amazing shout out to Krista who, who kind of expressed <laughs> like, when you start listening, you can't hide in your excuses anymore because everyone is, um, is debunking them yeah and you're just like no that's my excuse or you know whatever it is exactly it just just, connects so amazing you're able to relate to people too and you're like okay I'm not alone like you felt so isolated and alone in the journey by yourself yeah so yeah I started making changes I'm gonna say it was like late June like I was running after I had Ellie and like running, like I said, to the point of exhaustion, I gave that up in May, started like really making change in June where I was dialing back exercise significantly, started to eat like a little bit more Then July, like ramped it up even further. August is when like I connected with you Mm. so we could do like individual coaching. And then by September, I had my period back. So it like really progressed, which is after. Yeah. Really fast. Yeah. After I figured it out, it was like, I just ran with it. I just made the changes I needed to. Yeah. (laughs) Good like that. See everyone trust that do do the thing. But so to reiterate, I think you had energy for like 10 years. Yeah. Like, so So it's a long time. Like I said, I I went on birth control probably around like 15, 16, right when I was Mm -hmm. in high school, like right before college. And I got off of it in 2016 but I didn't have a period like, you know, up and through yeah. like that whole point until I got pregnant with Allie. And then even after Allie, I never got my period back. So yeah, it's been like a, so a it, long time. You obviously had been making a lot of changes on your own prior that really paid off that when you were just like, like the moment where you sort of went all in, I suppose, on areas that you just hadn't yet, um, it, it obviously paid off. People are going to want to know like what that was though. Like, okay, so what, what did you need to change? What do you kind of boil it down to as the main things that were necessary for you? I definitely think changing my approach towards exercise. I think that approach I had before where I just literally had to go hard or not at all was a bad approach. I mean, now I'm, because still, because if you because there was no not at all right you're like it's got exactly. or not at all exactly so I'm always <laughs> gonna go hard and there's never gonna be a not at all exactly don't take any <laughs> rest days because then you're just weak and you're a failure <laughs> like that's what I thought to myself you know I owned I used to own socks that said no rest days 
I would never wear those nowadays. I know, but it's in like my, that in my heyday, whatever. It's a literal message that was yeah. sold or that yeah. is sold. Crazy, right? Okay. Totally. So you just work out super hard. You're doing like a lot of high intensity. Everything. Like a lot of cardio, a lot of high intensity. Yeah, exactly. Um, like even through recovery, I still continued continued to exercise, but I was doing walking. Pilates or strength training and it was never for more than 30 minutes and there were definitely periods of rest in between it wasn't seven days a week so I know for some people like they like to give it up altogether I think for me like to keep my like sanity I need to do something because I do have a right now have a desk job where I sit all day and it's just nice to get up and get out it's like take my dog for a walk at the end of the day or sometimes in the morning, depending on like my day's schedule and how that looks. So Gosh. it just made wow. me feel good. Or how very reasonable, right? <laughs> totally. Well, that yeah. was just it. Like it was something I looked forward to and enjoyed doing, not something like that literally ruled my life. Like mm-hmm. before when I was in HA, like if I didn't get my workout in, you didn't want to be around me. Like I was so fixated on well, if I didn't do it, you know, when I plan to, well, when can I get it in? Like, it has to happen today. Like, I will not go to sleep without having a workout. In. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And now it's totally different. And like, you know, similarly with the food, like, I was so focused on counting every single calorie. Like, I, there would be like, maybe a day or two in the year where I skip calculating everything and tracking everything. Now I don't calculate or track anything. You know, I started to like really increase like my calorie load, like focusing on like balanced meals. So I was stabilizing my blood sugar because you guys taught us all the right things. (laughs) I knew what to do and it made a difference. Like I felt more satiated. Like I wasn't always thinking about food or like, oh, well, I'm hungry at 11, but I don't have lunch until noon. Like I gave, gave up all of those rules because they weren't serving me. So I threw that to the wind. And I think, you know, all of those changes made a huge difference. And I'm just happier. And I'm obviously, like, healthier, too. Like, I was never healthy in my older state, even though I thought that, you know, for however many years, 10 plus years. Yeah. But I'm so much healthier today. Yeah. Okay. So those are all amazing, positive things that are super motivating. And to hear it's like, oh, she had it for ages, but then she just kind of like made the changes and it just worked for her is definitely uh, a simple way to put things, right? But in reality, it's much harder. It it is still really difficult, Um, you know, just because it didn't take you two years you know what I mean it's like well it kind of was a long journey you only just became conscious of it more recently but what what was hard and what maybe still is hard great question I was just gonna say too like I know I still have things to work on like this is not a completed journey nor will it probably ever be oh yeah you got a whole postpartum to to (laughs) go it's gonna be great I think the hardest thing is getting past those days where you don't have the confidence that you want, where you're having like lower self-esteem and that's still like, you know, carries on. And I think you just have to be conscious of it to acknowledge it and to kind of like push through it and say like, why am I having these thoughts? Like give yourself positive affirmations. Like a huge thing for me was and we had talked about this, like on one of our individual calls, jeans, like, or any clothes really, like go out and buy the new clothes. If you're trying to fit yourself into clothes that don't fit, you're going to feel like crap. Like there's just no way around it. And I think, you know, if you can set yourself up for success by going and at least picking out a few new pieces for your wardrobe that you feel good in, that you look good in, it completely makes a world of difference. And I know it's hard because you're like, oh, I don't want to be this size, you know, for a lot of people, because a lot of us have put on like a significant amount of weight from what we were used to. But 
when you start to learn to just embrace your new body and that this is the way that you were meant to look, not the way you were trying to force yourself to look. And this body brings you so much more flexibility and joy. And it's like the rigidity and confinement of the smaller body was like not bringing you the life that you thought it was bringing you. Exactly. crazy. Yeah. I put on 25, 30 pounds almost. I mean, I can definitely tell and like in a good way though, like my collarbone was always like super bony like when I was in HA my arms looked like little twigs now I look just healthy and full Mm. and like I look back at things like my wedding pictures and I'm like that's disgusting I look like a skeletor like how could I have not seen that in that you know moment but now it's so obvious to me especially when you do like a side-by-side comparison of like photos it's interesting right like how Mm -hmm. our yeah, there like there are people listening right now. Maybe it's you listening right now that it's just it's like it's body dysmorphia. It's like yeah. you are afraid to gain weight to a perfectly reasonable, quite frankly, still small body. It's like it yeah. And like a huge catalyst for change for me was having a little girl. Like I mm-hmm. saw like the bad habits in myself and I was so terrified of passing on those habits to her. Yeah. I've seen Ellie a number of times. She joins us on calls. And um, yeah, you just like look at their little face and you're like, I just can't, like, I really don't want this for you. Exactly. I I just can't do this to you. And I think thankfully, like society has changed nowadays. You know, it's still really tough to be a woman in our society, but like, I think in the nineties, like the focus was so much on like diet culture like lose weight you know this way that way or the other way like exercise to complete exhaustion now we have like more campaigns that are like you know body positive you know images you know I guess you know embracing all shapes and sizes and I think that's really important because we don't all look the same we're not all like yeah and it feels like we're cut out (laughs) you kind of hate a little bit like the fact that you're noticing it you know sometimes you're just like oh I see that what they're doing like but it's just it's we're just gonna be a part of the generation that that knows both sides and so we're aware but hopefully that continues so that our children don't know any other version yeah exactly that's my hope too like they weren't like tainted I feel like by like the earlier images of like decades in the past yeah I mean however my fear is like everything comes around right like flared pants Mm -hmm. are back in fashion so some someone who's a child right now who will be an adult later is probably going to bring it all back you know we're all going to stop doing it and someone's going to make it cool again and we're just going to be like on this ride forever but gosh we can try and it does feel like the furthest we've gotten in decades (laughs) yeah totally like and I definitely think that I don't know I just feel like it's worth it like whoever's like out there doubting like whether the journey is worth it or not definitely worth it 100% like it's life-changing like I just took a vacation to Hawaii with my family and the first thought you know wasn't is there a gym available and can I get to that gym like as soon as possible like I didn't work out once while we were on our trip other than like little hikes that we did like with our family but it wasn't like intense or anything like that yeah so so cool and now so now you're you're pregnant and it was natural after a history of the hormones artificial hormones it, a pregnancy that was with treatment um yeah did it all by yourself and I always wondered if it was possible and ah! this is proof that it is <laughs> like it was the absolute like trophy at the end of the finish line so I'm super excited yeah 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 I think it's so cool it's like it makes my day it makes my week when people are pregnant um I know like <laughs> It kind of stinks now, yeah, because 
early on, you know, oh. like I, I just feel so nauseous all the time. So that stinks, but, you know, <laughs> waiting for the, like the second trimester glory days again. Ah, <laughs> oh, they're just so, I, I would just live there if I could live there. Oh, yeah, exactly. So you have bad. that little bump too. Like it's real obvious at that point. <laughs> yeah. You're cute. You're pepped up. Your, oh. your hair's amazing. You're glowing. Yeah. It's all about, it's all about that very short-lived three month period. <laughs> See, that's what convinced me I needed to be here again. I know. I know. No, I'm not falling for it. Don't. <laughs> I'm not falling for it. I'm only doing one. <laughs> well, there's, you know, there's always a chance of a second. If you there's want always it. A chance. I know there's always a chance. Like, uh, we, um, obviously I'm charting now and it was like I had all my mucus and then I had the temporize for one day like 98.1 which isn't what you know if you're trying to avoid pregnancy you need to wait three days yeah, that's of an elevated temp like I know and I was just like oh, but <laughs> you know but it's pro- I probably ovulated like yeah. I had the mucus I had a temporize and I haven't seen any mucus all day and super dry so like we're gonna risk it you know what I mean and when you do that right and so people say oh the fertility awareness method doesn't work it's like no it, it works does. if you're using it to full efficacy exactly. if I get pregnant on that I wasn't using it to full efficacy right so that's my fault totally. <laughs> but I risked it for the biscuit and I think we're in the clear but you know unless that's I'm awesome. pregnant uh yeah. I should hey, be getting know. my period soon <laughs> Okay. Well, I'm so, I'm so happy for you. I'm very glad that you didn't have to, you know, go down years and years of, of this once you knew, I mean, you did go down years and years of this bit. I'm so grateful I found you in the society. Um, Like, I don't think I would have been as motivated to do it on my own. Like, like I said, I really needed the community to help me through it. That's the best. We appreciate you. And everyone listening appreciates hearing your story. I hope you guys, you know, get some, for those of you who relate, especially to Amanda's story, that you guys get a little bit of like progress juice. Go have a meal. Bounce your blood sugar, guys. Take a relaxing walk. That's all you need to do. Exactly. (laughs) Don't beat yourself um, into the ground. It's not worth it. Right. And I was going to ask if there's, if there's anything else that you would love to be able to share or say to other women going through this right now. I haven't prepped you for this, so you might not, but is there anything you would say? I don't think other than, you know, just keep at it. Like if you're having those feelings of like doubt, anxiety, like that's just right where you're meant to be <laughs> exactly like yeah. I definitely had those feelings like don't get me wrong and they're tough yeah. to overcome and they, yeah. they really no one are. is like no one is going through this like no I'm a hundred percent certain everything's on track yeah. and that this is gonna work right like if you're yeah. feeling uncomfortable and you're feeling doubts and stuff like yeah that's about right yeah exactly that like that's where you need the community because then you talk things out with other people and you're like okay I'm not the only one only one that's experiencing that and you build that connection and it gives you that motivation to keep pushing forward yeah everyone needs a recovery buddy or yeah or um and join the restore program because that's super helpful thank you guys (laughs) opens January 10th Sorry, I'll pay you later. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you so, so much for sharing your story with everyone today. We really, really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for taking and the time. If anyone ever wants to chat with Mana, she's in the group. She's I am. Inside. I'm around. Ask. Hey there, it's me, Danny, and I want to tell you about Temp Drop as a fertility awareness method tracking option. So many of you guys know that we actually recommend the fertility awareness method, both as you're going through recovery and 100% after you have gotten some cycles back and you're starting to move forward for the rest of your reproductive years. So TempDrop itself is a wearable fertility monitor and we love it. It's a wearable device. So you put it around your arm and you can use that instead of taking your temperature manually with a thermometer each morning. 
So I'm personally a big fan of the manual tracking, all of us at the HA Society are, and that's the method that we use, you know, just using a good old thermometer. We use that with our clients because it's the best way to use it as a diagnostic tool, as a practitioner. And it's also the best way to ensure if you're trying to avoid pregnancy that you don't get pregnant. However, manual temping for many reasons is just not always an option. When you're in the middle of recovery, again, we do recommend manual temping. But once you're cycling, the temp drop is actually a really great hack. So it gives you basically everything you need to effortlessly track your fertility status, like where you are in your monthly cycle. So you wear the temp drop sensor while you're sleeping for accurate basal body temperature readings without the stress of early morning wake-ups. So I personally love this because with a toddler, my wake-up times are all over the place and the occasional sleep disruptions make using an oral thermometer a lot more difficult. So TempDrop's accompanying charting app enables you to track an array of symptoms alongside your basal body temperature. This includes tracking your cervical mucus if you've been using OPKs, and then it also gives you sleep insights too. So you can combine these fertility signs all in one place, and that will help you identify your fertile window, confirm ovulation, plan for your period, and if you're trying to get pregnant, you know, identify whether or not you are pregnant. So whether you're trying to conceive or avoiding pregnancy, or you want to chart for health reasons like HA recovery, making sure your cycle's not slipping back in the HA direction, TempDrop makes fertility awareness accessible to all women, even if you don't have regular cycles or sleeping patterns. So track your ovulation in real time with the TempDrop, and we are lucky enough to have a 15% off code. So if you go to their website, they're usually having a sale, but you can stack this code on top of the existing code. So just go to tempdrop.thehasociety.com and use the code AFHASociety. I think too, if you just go to tempdrop.com and and use um, AFHASociety at the checkout, that will work too. So happy temping and good luck. This episode is brought to you by Grassland Nutrition Beef Liver Capsules. Did you know that in terms of nutrient density, beef liver actually blows vegetables and fruits out of the water? If you're a client of mine, you have already been instructed to eat beef liver either fresh or in capsule form. I recommend it for anyone and everyone who is, of course, dealing with amenorrhea and fertility challenges out there, but I may even recommend it for just everyone in general. Get your husbands on it. Get your partners on it. If you have a history of HA and add on top of that, maybe a history of the pill, maybe you've been pregnant before, you know, through treatments or other, like you've just, your body's been through anything, you know, you're absolutely 100% dealing with a nutrient deficiency of some kind. While it's true that testing is going to be the best way to understand those exact deficiencies, Eating nutrient-dense real food is going to be one of the most important next steps that you take with or without testing. So I've been using and recommending Grassland Nutrition Beef Liver Capsules for years now. And the capsule form makes it so easy to get your liver in every day. And I appreciate the transparency of this product in particular above others. So in case you're wondering, it's completely natural This is freeze-dried beef liver in capsules. It's organic. It's made from Australian beef. And my favorite of their products is the liver with kelp because of the iodine from the kelp, which is important for overall thyroid function, which is often low in women with underperforming hormones. So rather than eat seaweed snacks every day, I get to take this beef liver with the kelp for my iodine. So if you're recovering or working on a fertility journey right now, do not skimp the nutrient-rich source of beef liver. Get 10% off your order with the HA Society and support your favorite podcast along the way. They ship to most countries, so you should be covered. Just go to grasslandnutrition.net and use HA Society, just HA Society, at the checkout for the 10% off.
That's grasslandnutrition.net with the code HA Society. Thank you so much for listening today, guys. Please subscribe to the podcast. And if you could head to iTunes specifically and leave a rating or review, that would help so much because it makes it easier for other people with HA who are Googling around to find the podcast really easily. So if you do that, you're doing a service to all of the women. Ask me to reach out. Yep. (laughs) Thanks, guys. Everyone have a good one. Bye. Bye.